Once again, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for giving us a chance to just be together and to worship. I'm excited and honored to be a, a part of this church. Um, as, as you've already noticed, we're changing worship just a, a little bit. We're going to do the communion. We're going to do it, of course, um, every Sunday, but we're going to do it after the, after the sermon, near the end of the service. And so after the invitation song here in just a few minutes, we'll take communion. I meant to say earlier, if you did not pick up one of the communion sets as you came in, uh, let us know in just a minute. We'll make sure that you get one of those before we take communion. Uh, we won't be passing trays for a while, of course, and so um, we'll be providing those every week and remember to get those as you come into the building. Our text is going to be Mark chapter 1. I do hope you'll turn there with me. And we will be focusing on four different words that are used in the first 15 verses of that chapter that Matt read for us a minute ago. It's good to preach to real people again, even if most of you have masks on. I know that you're there. And uh, of course, I had those. I hope you saw the pictures that some people in the church provided for me when I initially was recording in this foyer, you know, that area. The, if you didn't see them when you came in, you need to go look at my audience. Uh, that was my, uh, those are folks I was preaching to for quite a few times over the past uh, couple months, and I appreciate that. Um, got some potatoes down here on the front pew, so I'm honored by the potatoes that are, that are there, giving me some encouraging words as I, as I talk to you guys. You can maybe come up and look at the potatoes sometime there on the, on the front pew. There's a backstory to that, too, as well. We need good news, don't we? A small crowd, I know, but I hope that you guys will engage with what we're talking about. We need good news, and we need more than what John Krasinski's talking about, though I love John Krasinski. Uh, he's, I'm sure most of you know who he is. Um, he, he's Jack Ryan in recent miniseries. He's, he's the guy on The Office, the sitcom, you know. But he started this pretty cool thing after the quarantine started that he called some good news, SGN. And in it, he would focus on stuff that was going on that was good. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the bad, he would focus on the acts of selflessness that were being exhibited by medical people and people, just, just normal, everyday folks, as they responded with kindness to what was going on. And, I, and, I, and that, we've enjoyed watching many of those episodes over the past couple of months, you know, and, and I thought, what, what I would, I don't know, was, when I was watching it, I was encouraged, you know, it was, so some of those some of those times were kind of tear jerking moments, as he would he would highlight just somebody doing something good. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. But but what I wanted to be there a little bit more than what Krasinski would put in was I wanted I wanted the gospel in there because I, I think that is for for us because of our convictions that undergirds our acts of goodness. Right. That's that's why we do good because we know the one who is ultimately good. And so I wanted to talk to you guys about some really good news today. Now, in Mark 1, at the very beginning of his gospel account, he uses the word. The, the word's there in verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, he's going to use that more than any other gospel writer, which is, I don't know if you knew that or not, uh, Mark's gospel is shorter, but he uses gospel more. He uses it more than Matthew and more than Luke and more than John, he uses it about seven times in, in his gospel account. And, and it's important for you, you to know, you may already know this, but it's important for you to know that 
When, when Mark uses the word gospel, he's not talking about his book. We talk about, sometimes we talk about the four gospels, you know, the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, gospel of Luke, gospel of John, as if there were four. And, of course, there aren't four gospels. The gospel is a word that means the good news. And so the way Mark uses it is he's talking about the good news that Jesus came to bring and to share. And so when he says that in verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's not saying this is the beginning of my book, but rather he's saying this is the beginning of the proclamation of the good news. Now, the, the word gospel, this, this ought to, uh, maybe it's of interest to you, the word gospel translates a word that is euangelion, euangelion, from which we get a lot of our English words. The you there is kind of becomes a V, and, it, and, and you come up with evangel or evangelism or evangelist, you know. So, so it is an evangelist is someone who is a proclaimer of good news. Uh, the euangelion is the good news, the message. It's good, it's good, it's good. And in our world right now, we need to think about good. You know, we need good. We need God's people doing good and thinking good things and acting in good ways, and, and, I, and I really think, and I know you agree with this, but all of that comes from our relationship with the one who is only, the only one who is truly and inherently good, and that is Christ. So the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, here are the four words we're going we're gonna to focus about. This is, this is some really good news about a way, all right, about a way. Now, he says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet. And then he actually quotes Isaiah, and then he quotes a little bit from Malachi. Uh, but anyway, in verses 2 and 3, he says, it's written in Isaiah the prophet, I send, uh, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. Here's that first word, your way. The, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, so when we're talking about the gospel, we're talking about a way. We're talking about, it's, it's not just a, it's not a system, it's not a, not a list of do's and don'ts. It is rather a way that you live. And so when John the Baptist came along and he was preaching and he was preparing the way, he, he, quotes, this, <laughs> he quotes this passage from, from, uh, from Isaiah and then from, from Malachi. And what John would do is he would come... And the language he uses there in the book of Isaiah, if you go back and look at the context, is he uses this language of he will, he will bring the mountains down and he will bring the valleys up and he will make the curvy road straight. So the idea being is that you're not going to be going in a curvy road up, up and down and a difficult place to travel. That's the kind of language he's using in, in Isaiah. But rather, John the Baptist is going to come, and he's going to bring those mountains down, and he's going to bring those valleys up, and he's going to make that road, that, that curvy road straight. And so you're going to have a straight path, a straight way, a clearly marked way. So he's clearing out the obstacles. That's the idea. That's what John the Baptist came to do. But, but what I wanted you to see, especially for, for right now, is that this is a way. So with all the things going on right now, you know, I mean, everybody in here is aware. There's tension. There's division. And, and it's important for you and me to think about this as Christians think about this. Everybody's not going to agree. You know, there's, there's not agreement even among Christians. Right? There's, there's, there's not always going to be that agreement. 
But as we think about how to live, how to treat people, how to listen, how to act, how to talk, how to respond to tension, to, to division, to, to, to racism, how, how, do we, how do we do this? How do, how do we act? Again, I know in a sense, I'm preaching to the 8 o'clock crowd, you know, I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak. And so you may already agree with this, but maybe we all need to remind you of this right now, okay? We respond by asking this question, what is the way of Jesus? What is the way that he walked? What is that path? We don't respond according to any other identity that we might have. We respond and we walk in, in the way. So it, it is a way. It's, it's a path. John the Baptist came to clear that path and we walk in the way. So it's a lifestyle. I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at here is, is that, that, that the Christian way, it's, it's not a, a one hour a week sort of thing. And I know we've all missed this. I, I've missed it. I think you guys are here at 8 o'clock. So you, you really missed it, right? You, you, you wanted to be here. I think we all wanted to be here. We all wanted to be in this building. We wanted to be worshiping together. We want to be singing together and all that. But I hope that one thing we've learned over the past two and a half months is that the church's existence and the church's identity isn't tied exclusively to what we do within these four walls. That the church is, is a, the called out body of people who walk according to a way even when because of what's been happening, we haven't been able to assemble here. That it's more than just an hour. It's a way. It's a life. You know, It's the way we live. Alright, here's the second word. It's about a change. It's really good news about a change. You know, when we talk about good news, I think it's important for us to know that good news, because we believe in the euangelion, we believe in the really good news, that doesn't mean we stick our heads in the sand and act as if everything is good when it's not. Uh, we, we, we are willing, as followers of Jesus Christ, to identify what is bad and, and point it out and say it. It's okay to do that. That doesn't mean we are pessimistic people when we look around us and we see things that aren't as they ought to be. And, and so when, when we're talking about the gospel, it is good news. But again, it's good news against the backdrop of bad news. I've, I've preached a sermon a couple of times over the years um, that, that called the, bad, the, the good and bad news. And I start with the bad news first. And I've used Ephesians 2 for that. Because Paul, in the first part of the chapter, he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You walked according to the sinful nature and, and this. Then he says, but God, who is rich in mercy. So you got the bad news. That's the backdrop. But over against that, we've got the good news. And so, so the second word is in verse 4. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of... What is that next word? A baptism of repentance, which is a change. And so we believe in really good news, but that doesn't mean we look the other way when there's injustice. Or we look the other way and we don't talk about something that's wrong. We acknowledge the fact that there's repentance that needs to occur. Proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I hope that over the past, and by the way, this is a good time to put in a plug for what's going to start tonight at 5 o'clock. I hope you'll participate in our online offering this evening, an offering of a, of a class that's going to be called Reset. And some, some guys um, are going to be reflecting on 
what God has taught us, what, what we might learn, what, what we might have learned over the past few months that'll help us in the future. So a plug for that because I wanted to say this. One of the things I think God has taught us, I hope, over the past two and a half months is to be introspective and to be willing to look in the mirror and maybe because of all the tension and stress and all that, it's, it's brought out some things in us that we didn't know were there and some things we're not proud of. And maybe, maybe there's a sense in which we need to repent because of attitudes or behaviors or words or whatever. Um, and because of the virus and the quarantine and the extra stress that might have introduced into our lives, we've seen that there's some fissures there that we didn't even know were there, perhaps. And so it's a good time for us to reflect on that. The gospel is good news because it helps us to see what's wrong. You know, because, it's, because there is bad news. There is bad news. Here's the third one. It's down to verse 9. I'm skipping some stuff here. There's good stuff all through this. But look in verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Uh, the, the good news is about a man. It's about a man. It's not... Again, uh, when, I, when I say that it's not about a list of do's and don'ts, that doesn't mean there aren't do's and don'ts. It means that's not the focus. The focus of the gospel is on, is on a man, is on God who became uh, a, a little helpless baby. It's about, a, it's about God who became this baby who grew up to be a man who was sinless and a, and a man who walked and he breathed and he drank and he ate and he got tired and he got discouraged. He was a 100% man. He experienced the, the, the range of emotions that we experience as human beings. He's, he was a man. And so the gospel is about a man and he did certain things and he said certain things and he lived in certain ways. And so when we're thinking about how do we respond to uncertainty because there's an economic downturn or because of the uncertainty about how far the virus is going to go, how many people are going to get sick, how many people are going to die, What's going to, how long is it going to be before we return to some sense of normalcy, when will a vaccine come out, when is there going to be therapeutic treatment, how do we respond to that? Well, we go and we follow a man and we see how he lived. And so we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We read how Paul and Peter and John wrote about the life of Jesus in, in, the, in the rest of the New Testament. We go to the Old Testament, we see the nature of God, but we recognize this is, a, this is a way to be lived on the ground. It's boots on the ground sort of thing. This is a life to be lived as we follow a man. And so we go and we look at Jesus and we see how he treated people, how he responded with kindness, love, and compassion, how he was patient with people, you know? I think there's a word for us, um, for me, perhaps for you, about how we ought to engage. Last one, it's about a kingdom. This is at the end of that section that Matt read for us. Verses 14 and 15. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's nearby. It's close by. It is in our presence, in our midst, is the idea here. It's a kingdom. It's good news about a king. You know what a kingdom is? A kingdom is where there is a king who reigns. And so the good news is that where Jesus was, where Jesus is, where Jesus reigns over hearts, there is the kingdom. 
That's why I believe, you know, we, we could see differently on this and that's fine, but I believe it is perfectly appropriate for Christians to pray the prayer, your kingdom come. By saying that, we're not saying that it hasn't come, but we want it to come more fully. We want Jesus' reign to be recognized all over the world. We want more and more people to submit to the reign of Jesus. And so we, we pray, may your reign be realized more and more by people all over the world. You know, may, because that's where, that's where the kingdom is, wherever Jesus is reigning. And so where there's a heart that submits to him, that is good news. In the middle of this, in the middle of all this, you and I would agree, I think, on this. Wouldn't it be great if more and more and more and more people submitted to the reign of Jesus Christ? Because you know where He reigns? Where He reigns fully? There is confidence and there is hope and there is love and there is compassion. There is forgiveness. There is healing. There is reconciliation. There's justice. Where Jesus reigns, it's really, really good news. Now, I love Krasinski's good news. You know, I, I, I love it. I, I love it when you, see, uh, when you see medical people who are willingly going into places that are dangerous in order to serve people. I love it when I see people out there uh, bringing messages of hope, you know. I think we all love that good news, but especially we love it when that good news is informed by the only thing that's truly good, and that is that Jesus Christ came, he died, was buried, and resurrected, and that changes everything about us. It changes the way we live. It changes our priorities. It changes the way we respond. It brings unity and peace. That's what the really good news is. We live in view of another day, another time. When we talk about the kingdom, you know, we, I believe that the kingdom will fully come on that final day, that God's reign will be realized in an absolute sense, in a way that people don't recognize right now. And so we live in view of the fact that the coming reign, in an absolute sense, will be a beautiful thing. But right now, in this moment, we live, we live with confidence of that day, but also recognizing that as we walk, we're trying to show the world what the reign of Jesus looks like in, in, in people's lives. And so we go about our daily activity asking myself, what does it mean right now to live with Jesus as my Lord and Savior and my King? What does that look like in this moment in view of the fact yes we will get to be a part of that eternal kingdom one day but right now we're trying to be the ambassadors of the reign of Jesus Christ all over the place let's live like that and you know an encouraging thing I've seen from Christians is that kind of hope and that kind of message over the past few months from so many people in our congregation and outside of of our congregation Christians who have been going about doing good. That's what kingdom living is. That's what it looks like. So my challenge for the church is, as we move ahead, let's, let's, keep, let's keep doing good. Let's keep listening. Let's keep acting. Let's keep speaking. Let's keep 
just reflecting the reign of Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian today, we want to give you an opportunity to put your heart, to, to trust in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And by the way, uh, I, don't think, I don't think we announced this yet, but Paul Kirby was baptized this week. You guys may, uh, may know Paul, Paul and Karen Kirby. Paul was baptized, I think that was on Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I think it was Thursday. So we're excited about that. What he did right here, you can do today to be baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Holy Spirit lives in your heart. You submit your life to the reign of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to become a Christian. And you can do that today. If you need us to pray for you, we'll pray for you. If you need anything at all, spiritually speaking, uh, I hope you'll let us know. Let's stand and let's sing this song. If you need to respond, I hope you'll come.